Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. All right, I believe that uh, we have the scriptures and you can see the title there on the screen, The War of Words. Um, we're going to what we're going to talk about this morning as quickly as I can. Let's go ahead and put uh, the text up there because I want kind of where we are at to just settle into your heart before we talk about it. Let me read it for you. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. Okay, now let's go to First Corinthians ten four. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So this morning I'm going to talk to you about what I am calling a war of words. And we are going to bring special attention to the place that God's Word plays in our lives. And you may have seen those uh, scriptures up there and said, well, why are we reading those? And it, they put into perspective the journey through the wilderness of the nation of Israel as they were heading from bondage to, to promise. And we see there that uh, there were these moments where God provided their need, but then there are also types and symbolism that are pulled from that that apply to us today. So let me just kind of cut to the heart of the matter very quickly. The reason why we read those scriptures as our text this morning is because I want to remind you today that life flows from the Word of God. Just like the water that flowed from the rock who was Christ in the wilderness, life flows to us from the Word of God. I want you to frame the scriptures in your mind this way. The Bible is more than words, but it is a spiritual book given to us by God. And when we minimize its position and its power, we enter into bondage. So we're going to talk about the place and the authority and the power of God's Word today because it is to be central in our lives. In fact, let me put it this way. A daily part of the Christian life is to establish the Word of God as the sole authority over our lives. That is a work that we are to be doing daily. It's a part of what growing spiritually looks like. It's a part of what maturing in your faith looks like. When disciples say they're following Jesus, coming under the authority of His Word is a part of what following Him looks like. Why? Because we are engaged in a war of words. And I want to ask you all a question this morning. Whose words are you going to believe? God who tells the truth? Tells the truth through His Scripture? The Scripture is nuclear in the spiritual world. This is, this is the part of the way I want your eyes to be open today. That when you read this book, you are not just reading one that is equal to all of the others, but you are reading something that has been given to us by God. And in the spirit world, it is nuclear. It has all power and all authority to see God's work accomplished in you and around you. So whose words are you going to believe? God, who tells the truth, 
Or Satan who says, did God really say that? Because you see, Satan has a purpose for you too. His purpose is that you would not know God and that your lives would be filled with chaos. And that literally are the battle lines in this war of words that we face each and every day. So we're going to look at this this morning. Because every day, you have a choice to make. Whose words are you going to believe? As we survey the Scriptures, this is what we can say about Satan. He wants to flood your life with words. He wants to speak into your life in a way that produces chaos and bondage and keeps you from experiencing the full life that only Christ can give you. It's a reality. It's undeniable. There are more Scriptures that back this up than I can give you this morning. So let me give you a couple. I want to take you to Revelation chapter 12 and beginning in verse 9. And there's some, some imagery here. There are uh, some, some things that um, are easy to understand, but when you first read them, they might uh, kind of surprise you a little bit. And in Revelation 12, 9, it begins this way. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Who's the great dragon? Yeah, the devil and Satan. It's very clear. Here's what he is doing. Who deceives the whole world. He, is cast, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Who is the serpent? It's Satan. It is the devil. What does he do? Well, we see in verse 9 that he wants to deceive. He wants to deceive the whole world, the whole earth. He, he, is, he is not selective. He wants to, to take as many as he can with him. What does he do? And what is one of the ways that he does that? If you were to look down to verse 15, you would see these words. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Now what in the world is going on there? The serpent is the devil. It says there in Revelation he spews water out of his mouth like a flood. His target is a woman, John writes. Who is this woman? The woman is the church. The witnessing church that stands in opposition to the serpent's schemes. He not only sets out to deceive, but he sets out to destroy. And one of the ways that he does that is he spews water out of his mouth like a flood. All right, I've got two pictures of a flood. Put them up on the wall, please. That is the byproduct of a flood right there. That is the 10th Ward in New Orleans, Louisiana, shortly after Hurricane Katrina. The people in the orange shirts are volunteers from this congregation who went. We had 48 volunteers on that trip. That house was so bad that when we arrived on the scene, I looked at the four other adults who were on that team and I said, we are the only ones who enter this building. 
Show me the next picture, please. Because that is what the entire house of the building looked like. Everything was turned on its head. There was six inches of mud on the floor of every room. Everything that had been put in place was out of place because a flood came. It literally turned that house upside down. And just to give you a little bit of a reminder, the 10th Ward was the place in New Orleans that was completely underwater. It was the place where boats came in and cut people out of attics with chainsaws. It was the worst devastation the flood produced. So I want you to look at that picture and I want you to look at it long and hard because that is a symbol of what the devil wants to do in your life. And when you obey his words, your life is literally turned upside down. Things that are good and precious to you are washed away and your life, your house, is filled with muck and mire and things that you don't even want to walk in. And how does he do that? He does it through a war of words. You say, well, pastor, how do you come to that conclusion? And I'll ask you this question. What comes out of your mouth? Words. Words. In other words, the devil wants to speak into your life in a way that produces a result like we just saw on the screen. You say, well, that's a little bit of a, of a stretch. I don't believe that it is. Because right there within that Revelation chapter 12 context is where the devil is revealed as the accuser of the brethren. As the one who accuses the saints. So he spews words out of his mouth to carry you away like a flood. And and then they are words like this. You are not going to make it. They're words like you're a failure. They're words like what you have done are so bad that even God cannot forgive you or redeem you. There are words that would speak to you that would say you will amount to nothing. There are words that would speak to you this way. You're crazy for believing that. When you read that Bible, believing it's true, you're crazy for believing that. Those are the flood of words the devil wants to bring against the saints of God so that he can produce chaos in our lives. You should have listened to Psalm 69, verses 1 and 2. David writes this, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Let me illuminate the Scripture to you for a moment. David is not talking about literal waters here. He did not have a boating accident. He did not stumble in a river and end up in floodwaters to his neck. But rather, what he is saying is, my enemies have come against me with a flood of words. It's in the context of Psalm 69 that the people around them are saying, David, you won't be king. God is punishing you. A war of words. But I took you there because I don't want to keep you in verses 1 and 2 because Psalm 93 verse 3 says this, The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voices, the floods lift up 
their waves. So again, we have this context where it just kind of keeps on coming. Haven't you ever noticed the nature of a flood? The waters keep rising. David is saying that is exactly where I am at. Over and over, the Scriptures reveal that we are in a war of words and that Satan wants to flood us with his words. But then come verses 4 and 5 of Psalm 93. Listen to this. Open your ears. Let your hearts receive this today. Because if you feel like the waters are rising in your life, this is the God that you can cry out to. The Lord on high is mightier than those The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. For your testimonies are sure, and holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. (laughs) The war of words is this. When you listen to the God, you are listening to the one who is mightier than the one who wants to bring chaos to you. The Lord is mightier than the noise of many, many waters. Even when the floods come, the Lord remains established and His Word stands sure. So whose words are you going to listen to? Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. I like that, rock church. Hearing the words... Of Jesus and exercising obedience produces security and stability. The waters can rise, but you can remain. They can try to to wash away the things that God has given you, but you are secure in Him because He's mightier than the noise of many floods. Give me the next two pictures, please. And I wished I could have zoomed that in a little bit. I want to remind you that technology has changed a lot since 2005. Okay? I don't know what this was taken with, but um, that's all I can give you. And I want to tell you what this is. In that disheveled, catastrophic room and house that you saw where everything was turned on end, that remained right there. You want to know what that is? Those are scriptures taped to a paneled wall with scotch tape. The Word of God remains. It's mightier than the noise of every flood. Go to the next one. Oh, I'm going to try to read it. For the Lord shall be with thy confidence and and shall keep thy foot from being taken. The Word of God is mightier. It stands. It endures. It has authority. We are in a war of words between these two realities. 
Satan's flood of accusations and the nuclear power of God's authoritative word. So how do we overcome? How do we align our words with God's words so that we can experience his reality in our lives? And I think this is what you have to understand. And I think this is where sometimes our focus is lacking. We've established the fact that Satan speaks. And we've established the fact that God speaks. But you need to realize that you speak to yourself. You say, I don't know about that. Well, let me ask you this question. Has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? Every one of you are shaking your head yes. You speak to yourself. God's words are a fountain of living water. Satan's words are like a flood that want to carry you away. And your words are like water too. You can drown yourself. You can drown yourself. Listen to the scriptures. Write these down. I'm going to go through them quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to look at these throughout the week. Proverbs 6, 2. You are snared by the words of your, your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. You can put yourself in bondage by the words that you speak and the things that you choose to believe. If it is not Founded in the Word of God, it works to produce chaos in your life. You can be in bondage because of your own words. Proverbs 18.4 The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. So you can create your own flood. And sometimes we do it and we blame other people for it. When in reality, the Lord says to us, I don't want you to be bound to an experience. I don't want you to be bound to a circumstance. I don't want you to be bound to an event that happened in your life. But if you keep drinking from that well, you are going to drown yourself. You can talk yourself into falling. There's a contrast in that Proverbs 18.4 of of, of the deep waters of a, of a flood and then a wellspring of, of, of wisdom. And, and you know what? A flood brings the dirt in. A fountain, a wellspring, cleanses itself from the inside out. That's what God wants to do in your life. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18.21 God speaks life, Satan speaks death. And they both speak consistent with their character and their nature. God can be nothing but good. Satan can be nothing but deceiving. He is the father of lies. I kind of heard somebody drill down on that a little bit here recently because I've heard a lot of people quote that. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And it's a good thing to know and to quote. But I think the, 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 the little extra that uh, some study provided to me this week was that 
the power of that verse comes from this. We have the, the power to agree with one of them. Whose words are you going to believe? You see, in a part of following Jesus, a part of His cleansing flow in your life, a part of Him helping you to overcome your past, is that your life begins to agree more with Him than with the one, than with the one He delivered you from. And that is a process. And I want to I give you grace today because some of you feel like I'm, I'm just starting out in that process and I'm not quite where I want to be. You know what? Keep following Jesus and drinking from His living water. And those things of old are going to grow strangely dim. It will happen, I promise you. The Word washes. The Word sanctifies. The Word builds up. But whose words are you going to believe? Let me give you one more. Isaiah 59, 19. Isaiah 59, 19. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. You see, the devil can turn on the spigot and bring the floodwaters your way, but the God that you serve is the one who is able to contest his every action. So that begs the question, what is the standard? The Word of God is the standard. Let me remind you. Three times Jesus quoted Scripture to overcome temptation. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And a standard was raised against the temptation that came His way. That is the way that you overcome also. If Jesus needed to stand on the authority of the Scripture, how much more do we So how do we put this into practice? I'm going to give it to you quick. I see you're looking at watches and the clock. Okay, I've taken five. I'm going to take five more, okay? You know, the word's not only water, it's bread, and I trust you're getting full right now. All right? On this Lord's day, let's leave full of his word. I want to take you as we close this out to Psalm 1. I'm going to read it over you. Let these words just settle into your heart. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How do we win the war of words? I think as the church we have to pick up a perhaps long forgotten practice, and that is Learning again to meditate on God's Word. 
there's a little bit of a reaction sometimes when that word meditate is used because it, it oftentimes takes us into thoughts of Eastern mysticism and, and other things that we don't want to entertain. And I want to tell you there's a difference. Meditating on God's word is a part of the Christian life it's, and it's a part of the way the word washes us and strengthens us and helps us to overcome. And we see at the end of verse 3 there of Psalm 1 that, that it is the, the kind of a pathway to prosperity, that, 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 that the result is a prosperity. And, and I want to make sure that you understand that word prosperity because it's, it's not talking about driving a, a BMW and having a big gold chain around your neck. But rather that word prosperity there has kind of a, a two-fold picture. And, and, and one is this. Um, someone coming into your life to help you carry a burden. And then the second picture is this someone coming into your life who completely lifts the burden off of you and carries it for you. And meditating on the Word of God is what lifts the burdens off of us. And Jesus says, hey, look, why don't you give that to me? You remember a few weeks ago we talked about casting our cares. We don't cast and retrieve back and carry some more, but rather we transfer to Him. Meditation on the Word of God is essential to that process. The reality is we are all dealing with something. Meditation on the Word tears down stronghold and causes us to prosper because Jesus lifts our burden. So let me give you a, a one-step step, simple process for biblical meditation. You can do a lot of study on this on your own. There are other, other things that you can do to help implement it. But you know what? In 30 minutes, one day a week, I can't give it to you all. So here, here's, what, here's what we've got to leave with today. We've got to leave here thirsty. Because you know what, I believe as we look at God's Word, it connects with our hearts, it does a work within us, and I hope that tomorrow morning you're looking into it a little bit deeper. Here's the one simple step process for biblical meditation. Read what you need. Read what you need. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is has answers to the questions that we have in life. It has the resources to face everything that comes our way. Be in it strategically. If you're dealing with fear, read what the Word of God has to say about fear. If you need answers in life, read scriptures about the will of God. If you are struggling with guilt and condemnation, read about the cross and what Jesus' blood accomplished for you, and let the Word of God wash you and build you up. Because when you read what you need, it's like good medicine for the soul, delivered right at the point of, 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 of need. And I know for some of you this is a little bit different pattern. I'm reading through the Bible in a year. That's great. Keep doing it. You need to read the whole Bible. Okay? But your times of devotion need to also be targeted. 
targeted to where you are struggling. Load up on the Scripture. And here is a part of the reason why. You can't take a thought out of your mind. You have to replace it with a higher thought. The flood comes. It wants to turn everything upside down. It wants, to, it wants to challenge your faith. It wants to drag you down. It wants you to feel depressed. It wants you to feel anxious. It wants you to feel uh, fearful. It wants to rob you of hope. It wants to, to break your trust in the Lord. It wants to convince you that God's Word is not the authority And it comes, and it comes, and it comes. And like Jesus, you need to be able to say, it is written, it is written, it is written. And when you stand on the Word of God and you meditate on it, it is there when you need it. And you replace a bad thought with a higher thought. It's not just about reading the Bible. Sometimes it boils down to something as simple as how you read it. If you're feeling like, you know, you just need a you just need to tap into a new well today, let me tell you, it is in the God's word for you. It is in God's word for you. Here's a little bit of a pattern, and then I'm gonna close. This is something brand new to me. I've not uh, dug real super deep into this, but it was very, very interesting, and it gives us, again, some practical steps on how we read what we need. In Psalm 1, as it talks about meditating, some Hebrew scholars say that it is referring back to a Hebrew um, practice called davening, which were ways of meditating on the Scripture with frequency and regularity. There's some Scriptures in Deuteronomy that kind of give the times of day to do this and, and things of that nature, but there is kind of a, a common thread that is woven amongst everything that you might be meditating on from God's Word, and it's this Repetition. This idea of meditating, it, it literally kind of means to, to be speaking to yourself. So you find a scripture, and you are going to lay hold of it. And you want that higher thought to take root in your life. One of the ways that you do that is you take that scripture and you recite it. I encourage you to recite it verbally so that you're engaging the senses that while, while you're in your prayer closet and you're on your knees and you're praying before God and, and you're dealing with that lesser thought that needs to be replaced with a higher thought, you're saying to yourself, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You're saying to yourself, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within me. You're saying to yourself that, that Jesus He overcame every one of his enemies and they are his footstool. And the scriptures remind me that he made a public spectacle of them and he disarmed them. 
He took the handwriting of the law that was against me and he wiped it away and I'm cleansed and I'm free and I have a new identity in him that says that sin no longer has power or authority over me. So that habit and that pattern and that cycle that has been a part of my life, it no longer owns me because I belong to Jesus. And you begin to continue to recite the word of God over and over and over and over and over. Meditating on the Word. Repetition. But then there's this idea of concentration. Concentration in the sense that you're not just reciting words, but rather you are digging down to the meaning that is there. And you're understanding what God has written to you. And then finally, request. Repetition. Concentration and request. As you see that lesser thought, you see the higher thought of God's word that is to replace it. And that request is, Lord God, bring this back to my memory when I need it. Plant this truth deep within my heart. Why? Why? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God, help me with that. Help me to not be overcome, but help me to stand firm. It's a war of words. Whose words are you listening to? Would you stand with me as we close? I want to give you homework this week. I mean, I've already been accused of being the principal. (laughs) No, I'm not. I don't want you to ever feel awkward about coming into my office. No, honestly. I want you to hear my heart for a second. Okay? God's called me to be a shepherd. And um, the shepherd enjoys the times that he gets to spend with his sheep. And it's my hope and my prayer, you know, that every occasion that we have to be together is a a, a moment (laughs) where we both leave built up in the Lord. So as your shepherd this morning, let me just give you something practical. This, this meditating on the Word of God is something that we have to do. So I'm going to ask you to do something this week. I'm going to ask you to read a chapter a day. Maybe you're already in a rhythm. Just stay in that rhythm. But, 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 but if you're not, get on board. Get on board and read one chapter a day. And then as you begin to to read that, your request is, Lord, show me something in this chapter. Lord, 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 let your, let your word of truth speak to me. And then meditate on that scripture that he reveals to you. And begin to repeat it. Begin to, to think on it. Begin to ask the Lord for its practical application in your life.
And then when we come back next week, I want you to tell me what God has done. You know, I hope I can't get into the sanctuary on time for service next week because you're lined up just saying, man, this is what God showed me. And you know, if you've got to send it through a text or an email, because whatever, however we got to do, let's just brag on God. I want to hear about what he's doing in your life, because you know what, I believe he wants to do it. So Lord, we just commit ourselves to that end today. We thank you that, that your word is more than words. Lord, it is, it is spiritually given to us by you and it is life and it is power it is alive, it is active it is like no other thing so Lord I just pray God where we have been thirsty Lord may you give us a drink give us a drink Lord may we, may we read what we need Lord God Sometimes, you know, the enemy just wants to kind of get us into these, these fruitless um, patterns sometimes. And God, I just pray that right now there would be a life-giving flow that when we look to your word, we wouldn't be checking a box off of a, a timeline. But rather, Lord, we would discover the life that is there. We would know it. We'd receive it. We'd be changed by it. So Lord, help us to that end. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I have to ask this question before we go, and it's just simply, do you need to know Jesus as your Savior? He is the Word. He is the the rock that living water flows from. And if you're here today and and you would say, I need to know him in that way. I, I've known a lot about him, but I have not known him as the one who gives living water. And you want to know him in that way today as Lord and Savior. We want to introduce him to you. And we just do that simply through a prayer. That we will pray along with you. But I, I need to know who you are. Who, who here today would say, I need to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I might have his life. Anyone at all. Lord God, I thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I pray your blessing on your people as we leave. May you watch over us and keep us. And I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, encourage one another on the way out. Thank you for your patience this morning. Enjoy this beautiful February day in the 50s. We love you. We look forward to worshiping with you again soon. God bless. Thanks again for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. We would love to have you join us for a service in person. Our service times are on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with discipleship groups meeting before the service at 9 o'clock. God bless you.